In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, and happy birthday. This day of Pentecost, you're all looking very Pentecostal today, in a manner of speaking. Uh, and, but the day of Pentecost is uh, often called the birthday of the church, uh, not just this church, but the church universal, the church across all nations, across all denominations, and across even all centuries. But the day of Pentecost is not a normal birthday. See, if it's your birthday, we're going to bring you presents. We're going to bring you presents because it's your birthday, right? But it, for the church, it's opposite. It is actually the giving of the gift that makes it the birthday of the church. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit which birthed the church. And this traditional reading from Acts chapter 2 that we have for Pentecost every year, uh, it is certainly dramatic, isn't it? We have worried believers. They're all huddled together inside. And the sudden, I mean, just suddenly just comes upon them. This sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then tongues of fire, divided tongues, it says. Maybe it was like spiritually uh, flaming ropes or tongues coming down and resting upon dancing over each one of them. And then, in the power of this wind and fire that has come upon them, these disciples of Jesus, they all spill out into the streets and they proclaim the mighty acts of God in languages that they have never known before. It's a little vague. I mean, it, as to where, if you look at it, are they speaking miraculously in other languages? Or are they speaking in their own language, but miraculously they are understood uh, by uh, those from other places? You know, I say this about a lot of passages, but when I get to heaven... I'm going to want to watch the replay of Pentecost. Because, you know, whatever it looked like, whatever happened exactly, the wind and the fire are outward and visible signs of a new inward reality. That the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit dwelling in them is working through them miraculously to bring more and more and more to this same faith. But these people from every nation, they didn't know that yet, did they? Uh, these ones who heard the sound and rushed out of their houses and their hotel rooms to see what all the commotion was about, they didn't know that the Spirit of God dwelling in them and working in them, they didn't understand this new reality. And so they asked a very reasonable question. What does this mean? <laughs> what does this mean? This is a strange passage, a supernatural passage, but it is also an historical passage. What we have here is the, the declaration that a supernatural event happened in history. And so we would do well to ask the same question. What 
does this mean? Now you can imagine books and books have been written about what this means, but today for this sermon I want to frame it uh, in this way. I want to say that uh, Pentecost represents a reversal of the past, a foretaste of the future, and power for the present. A reversal of the past, a foretaste of the future, and power for the present. So a reversal of the past. Now I, some of you know this, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but usually not enough. And, uh, and every now and then, I mean, I enjoy trying to speak, but sometimes it, it, get, it gets me in trouble. And um, a few, just not long ago, we were having some house guests, and probably like many of you, we have a lady who comes and brings a crew to help us clean up before uh, the house guests arrive. And, and while they were working, they were working all over the house, but I don't remember exactly why, but I needed to change clothes. And so I, uh, in my broken Spanish, I thought I was being courteous, but I asked one of them, uh, I thought I asked them, uh, which bathroom should I use? Which bathroom did she prefer that I use in order to change my clothes? Now, I don't know what I actually said. <laughs> but there was this horrified look on their faces until one of them realized, you could see the light come on, and she realized what I was trying to ask, and in perfect English, she said, just use your bathroom. We are done in there. So, um, <laughs> idiot. Um, now, I don't know if you've had a, a similar uh, situation where a language barrier was, uh, had created a problem, but the, the Bible actually ex- explains why that is. And the story is told in the Bible's earliest chapters, like, like probably chap- page 4, you know, of, of uh, chapter 11 in Genesis. It tells a story about a group thousands of years ago who wanted to build a tower with its top in the heavens. And they wanted to do it, it says, uh, to make their own name great. They wanted to build this tower out of their own pride for their own glory and not for the glory of God. And it's famously called the Tower of Babel. And it seems that uh, because they all spoke the same language, that they were actually making good progress on this tower. And they could do amazing things, even almost nearly divine things, Because communication wasn't a problem. And so really as a mercy to them, so that they would still perceive their need for God, God comes down and confuses their speech and disrupts their communication by giving them different languages. Now many scholars and preachers have noted that Pentecost is a reversal of Babel where men in their pride sought to reach God's level, God in His humility has come down to humanity's level. Where God once disrupted language to disrupt self-glorifying human works, God at Pentecost unites language so that humans may tell of God-glorifying divine works. Which is not to say that I can now speak perfect Spanish, obviously. Uh, But it is to say that God will, uh, in His own ways, ensure that His grace and mercy is declared clearly to all. Communication, uh, language, will not be a barrier to the expansion of His kingdom and specifically of His church. So, considering the Tower of Babel, Pentecost is a reversal 
of the past. But also in this sense, Pentecost is a foretaste of the future. Now, sometimes Pentecost makes us nervous. It does. We can be honest about that. I think it's cultural. But when people start talking about speaking in tongues, most Episcopalians that I know get nervous. Now, clearly, there's a miracle of communication going on here, and it might have looked pretty strange. Now, I, I do believe that people can pray in tongues and speak in tongues still today, and I'm happy to talk to you about that another time. But the emphasis in the text is not on the strange languages themselves, but on the purpose for which they were given. And the purpose for that particular miracle at that particular time was the proclamation of God's mighty works to the nations. To the nations. The emphasis of this passage is not on some special ability, but on the wildly inclusive nature of this new Holy Spirit reality. I mean, people were there from all over the Roman world. There uh, presumably were not just Jews and Jewish believers, but also Gentiles and, uh, who had pagan beliefs. And Pentecost is an open invitation to all people of all tribes, of all nations, of all languages, of all skin colors, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you've worshipped in the past, come to God. Come to God. Enter into a relationship with God the Father through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations... This is the power to do just that. Pentecost is the spiritual movement of access to God from one people to all people. From the Jewish nation to all nations. From one language to all languages. From one sort of people to all sorts of people. Think about the Old Testament reading from the prophet Joel. If you were to read a little further in Acts chapter 2, you would see that Peter uses this passage from Joel to explain to the people what's happening. And, and these people, they would have known that throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had been active, but had always rested temporarily upon particular people for particular purposes at particular times. And when the Holy Spirit was done with that purpose... He removed himself from that person. Usually the Holy Spirit rested upon prophets or judges. But the prophet Joel predicted through the power of the Holy Spirit that there would be a time when the Holy Spirit was poured out not just on some people, but on all people for all purposes, for all times. Men and women, rich and poor, old and young. And Peter's saying, that time, the time that the prophet Joel predicted, that time is now. The wind and the fire and the miraculous communication is what God said would happen all along. That the God who created all people is bringing all people to himself. Now I said that this would be a foretaste of the future. 
Well, here we are 2,000 years later, and there are billions of Christians all around the globe. The church is literally all over the world. There are places in India and China and Africa that they do not have time for evangelism programs because too many people are coming to Christ. It's like Pentecost every day. Language barriers have been overcome. The Holy Spirit has visited Himself upon them and they have heard and received the love of God in Jesus Christ. And you, friends, have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. Why is that? It's because of Pentecost. And let's think not just now as the future, but let's think for our future, further still to come, won't this be what heaven is like? Won't this be what heaven is like? The people of every nation, this, this vivid, colorful, joyful togetherness in the presence of God, worshiping everyone, uh, worshiping God freely. No specter of persecution. No oppression of sinfulness. That we're all together worshiping God. Pentecost is just a glimpse of the glorious diversity and holy, righteous inclusivity that is to come. So Pentecost is a reversal of the past, but it is also a foretaste of the future. But what good is Pentecost if it's not good for us right now? So Pentecost assures us of power uh, for the present. The late, great Church of England pastor-theologian John Stott wrote this. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver. No understanding without the Spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the Spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from His fruit. And no effective witness without His power as a body without breath is a corpse. So today's church without the Spirit would be dead. See, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God spiritually, purposefully, and perpetually available to you right now. And in fact, the Holy Spirit has already been active in your life. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Your will to make decisions that honor Him is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Your impulse to repent and ask forgiveness when you wander from Him, that is a gift of the Spirit. Your prayer life, your Scripture reading, your presence in this church today, and the fact that you remembered to wear red, all gifts of the Holy Spirit for most of you. (laughs) That part's not in the script. I just uh, added that in maybe... Maybe you should have thought that one through. But um, so you might ask, I mean, could there be more? All, could there be more of, for the, of your experience of the Holy Spirit? And I would say that there always can be more of your experience of the Holy Spirit. Not long ago, I had the opportunity to pray with an older gentleman who works a lot with his hands. And he loves what he does, and he considers what he does with his hands part of a ministry. But he has arthritis. 
and he held up his hands. He said, Any, anything beyond this about right here is, um, is really painful, and I just find it very hard to hold on to anything anymore. He said, well, let's, let's pray about it and see what happens. So we grabbed hold of his hands, and we, what we asked God to do is we asked that, that arthritis would not interfere with anything that God had called him to do. So we're not asking for this healing just for his sake, although he would benefit from it, but, but for the sake of the kingdom, can we, God, can we just ask that by your will that nothing um, would, that you want to accomplish through him would be hindered? And there was just this intensity in this moment. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just the Holy Spirit was present. And this is not long ago. And we were done. He, he went like this. He said, I can't believe it. And he's working still today with his hands. Pretty great. And that doesn't mean his arthritis will never come back. I, don't, I hope it doesn't. But he made two fists. And he's been working ever since. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is real? Do we believe that he will empower us to do his will? Do, can we, can we um, ask him to give us conviction in that belief? See, before he was crucified, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, and the word that he used in Greek is paraclete. And that is, uh, the word paraclete is translated in uh, different translations as comforter, helper, counselor, advocate. I love that, advocate. And it was really, this word paraclete, that was, it was like the word that they used for a legal advocate, a, a, a defense attorney, one who would plead a case before a judge on your behalf. He's your advocate. See, Jesus died for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Your pathway, your channel to God is open. And so you can be sure that the presence of God is with you and the presence of God is for you. doesn't mean that he blesses everything. We have things, you know, that need, we need to repent of. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's job for our good is to bring conviction. Isn't it? To, to, maybe we have to yield to a family member who wants something. But whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is for you. And not just for for you, like to use him, but he is for you, like he's on your side. He's your advocate, your comforter, your counselor. So the Holy Spirit came down two millennia ago at Pentecost to reverse the past, the Tower of Babel, and to give a foretaste of the future that God would make the church of all nations in this glimpse of heaven. But he also came down for power in the present, to empower you to live this resurrection life. So happy birthday, church. May we know his power in our lives, in our church today. May we believe and pray for more and more of that power. And may we, we look for hope, with hopeful expectation for all that awaits us. Through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Amen.